Welcome to the weekly podcast of Valley Church. I pray that this message will fill you with the hope of the gospel and will help you follow Jesus today. If you would like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, visit valleychurchwv.com. Now let's tune in to this week's message. All right, well, hey, if you got your Bibles, turn over to 1 Timothy chapter 2. And as, as we do, can I just remind us of what this is that we're reading? Um, we are reading a letter, and this was a letter that was written by the Apostle Paul to a young pastor named Timothy, who he had been discipling. And uh, when he heard that there was trouble in Ephesus, that there was false teaching that was happening, um, he, he said, Timothy, I want you to go. I want you to go to Ephesus, and I want you to confront these, these people. And uh, his letter is an instruction about, uh, you know, how, how, to, how, to, how to teach the gospel, how to bring order in the church, and uh, what it truly means to, um, to just be a follower of Jesus in God's church. And so as, as we've been reading through the first two and we're into the third chapter now, we, we've seen that context is really important um, because uh, there, was con- you know, there was a historical context, there was also a, a spiritual context, and then, and then there was um, the context of, of the place and, and traditions and, and culture at that time. And uh, we know that uh, in that time, what a lot of that they were dealing with was the false teaching of, of Gnosticism, which is basically like take the Bible, take Genesis, turn it upside down, you have Gnosticism. Um, basically, God is bad, the world is bad, matter is bad, you know, marriage is bad, all the things that God taught, that's, that's evil, and um, there's higher powers more than our God. That's what Gnosticism taught. And... Um, and so, so uh, as, as Paul is teaching Timothy, as he's counseling him, he's saying, watch out for these people that are coming in the church. They're trying to flip the scripture upside down. Um, stay devoted. And so here today, I, I have a message that, that I've called Living in the Last Days. Sometimes when we read the Bible, we think, okay, Revelation, that teaches us about how to, you know, how to live in the last days. But um, I'm going to tell you today, in First Timothy, what he's going to do is he's going to teach us, and he's teaching them as a church, how do you live in the last days? What do you do? And what are you to expect? Um, and so, so we'll, we'll talk about that as we come to it. First, let's read the text, and then we'll explain the term the last days, and, um, and then we'll go verse by verse. So if you've got your Bibles, I encourage you to be there. Um, we'll try and have the scripture on the screen as we go, but um, it really helps just to read through read through the text on your own. He's coming off of talking about elders and deacons. Thank you, Wayne, for for teaching on that last week. And then verse 14, we'll start there. He says, I hope to come to you soon, but I am writing these things to you so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory." Now, the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, some 
will depart from the faith, devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insecurity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is to be received with thanksgiving. For it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. As we read this text, what, what we know um, from reading the end of chapter 3 and the beginning of chapter 4 is that you, you see that these things flow together, don't you? And um, if you have ever read a letter, you know that um, they probably didn't write um, chapter numbers and verses in their letter. That's the way the scripture was, was uh, written as well. They read it all at once. And, uh, and so the flow of thought from chapter 3 goes into chapter 4. Uh, it explains some of chapter 3. And, um, and as, we get, as we read the beginning, what Paul is saying is, um, man, we're, we're living in the latter days. The Spirit expressly says in the latter times, these things will happen. And so we're going to be talking about what to do. How should we live in the last days? And so as we begin with verse 14, what we, what we read first of all is that, uh, is that Paul writes to Timothy saying, I hope to come to you soon, okay? And uh, obviously he wasn't there. He was, he was off on his other missionary travels. And, um, and, and, but he says, I'm writing these things so that if I delay, you can know, you will know how, how one ought to behave in the household of God. First of all, um, let's, just, let's just be grateful, maybe, that, that God's delays are often His pathways for us to learn. Um, for the Apostle Paul, he was not able to be there, but this was God's design so that we might have this letter, this scripture for us as a church, and that they might have the scripture to know how to behave, how to live as followers of Jesus in the household of God in times that were really troubling in, the last, in these last days. He says, um, second, uh, and I want, want to point this out, he says, how to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God. And Logan, if you want to go back on the PowerPoint to verse 14, I'll just follow things through um, from beginning to end. But uh, he makes this point, the household of God, and he explains it, the church of the living God. I want you to th- think about that for a second, because I, I've seen t-shirts before, and maybe we've even made them before, where, where they say, I love my church. Have you ever seen those before? Yeah, and they're, they're cute, okay? Um, but there's a little bit of a problem with that, is that even though I, I get the heart behind it, what we really need to say is, I love God's church. I love His church. And um, because the church isn't ours, it's not mine, it's not yours. You know, I've even had people that have gotten so angry about things because they're like, this is my church. You can't change things. You can't do things like that, okay? How how many have ever had an experience like that? Okay, it's not good when we get selfish like that, when when we have our own priorities, our own motives um, that, that push and lead God's church. No, God is saying right here in His Word, this is the church of the living God. It is His He's the architect of it. 
He is the builder of it. He's the one that lives there. He provides for it. He's the foundation. And most importantly, he is the Lord. And our role as followers of Jesus is to just submit to the lordship of God. Say, God, this is your church. This is your body. All, all around this world, okay? We think of the building when we think of the church. It's not the building. It's the people. And, and so we're submitting as the people of God to saying, Jesus, you are Lord of your church. This is your house. You do what you want. You rule. You have authority, okay? And so that, that's what Paul is, is communicating. Man, this, this is his. It's the household of God. And then he says, here's what it does. A pillar, he says, and a buttress of the truth. A pillar and buttress of the truth. Now, I'll tell you, the church does not define the truth. What it does is it upholds and presents the truth to the world. And so, if we think about what a pillar is, what does a pillar do? It holds up a, a structure. And that, that is what we are as, as a church. We hold up, we lift up high the truth so that people will see it. Um, back then, in that time, also pillars were known as, as things in, in, the, in the town square that they posted things upon so that the community might see it. And so if we think about the church in that way, we think the church is the, the household of God that puts the truth of God out in public and says, this is the way, follow this. That's what the church does. And so we're encouraged to, to be the pillar, be the foundation of truth. Um, and, and, and sadly today, I, I will say this, and I, I pray that this does not become Valley Church, is that we have crooked pillars on shaky ground. And I think you know what I'm saying by that, is that the churches that have forsaken the truth, gone along with society and said, no, we're going we're gonna, to you know, cave to that, we're going to love people and they, their definition of love. And, and um, man, that's when we lose our foundation as a church. The church is the pillar and the buttress of truth. And so we devote ourselves to the Word of God and to prayer. We devote ourselves to the truth of Scripture. That's important for us today, okay? Keep on reading. Here he gives then what I like to call one of the earliest hymns of the church, or maybe even we could call it a creed, because it's this statement, six statements all in a row. But basically, he just lays out the gospel. It's not meant to be exhaustive. It's not meant to communicate all of it, but to just say, this is what we believe. And he lays it out right, right in order, and, and here's what he says. Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, and taken up in glory. If you read that, that is six statements about who Jesus is and about the gospel, how the gospel has changed everything. First of all, we'll take it line by line. He was manifested in the flesh. Jesus became human. He, he, he became flesh just like you and I, but was without sin. He came down from God. Second, 
He was vindicated by the Spirit, okay, uh, testified, testified by God and by the Holy Spirit at His baptism that you are my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. So God the Father, God the Holy Spirit was saying, this is, this is my Son, who has come down. He was vindicated by the Spirit. Third, he was seen by angels. You remember at Christmas, at, at his birth, that, that uh, his, his birth was announced by angels. Um, and, uh, and it was also at his resurrection. His resurrection was also announced by angels. He was seen by angels, and there was other angelic encounters. Fourth, he is proclaimed, he is proclaimed among the nations. This is a proof. This is something about the gospel. The gospel, gospel moves. It goes places. And even, even all throughout history, what has happened is that, that people have tried to shut the gospel down, to, to cut it off, but yet it continues to move. It's proclaimed among the nations. Uh, even, even today, uh, what we are talking about today is going forth among all nations right now. It is. The gospel is moving. It's proclaimed, he was proclaimed among the nations, first of all, by the apostles, second, you know, by, by the men and women who were witnesses of his resurrection, and then the church, church grew, and it's, it's been growing ever since. Fifth, he was believed on in the world. That's Jesus Christ. Salvation is by no one else other than him. People are placing their faith in Jesus Christ. They're believing on him and they're getting saved. And then lastly, and this is our hope, he was taken up in glory. We don't serve a dead God. He's ascended up to God. He's sitting at the right, of, right hand of God. He is making intercession for us. And that, that, is, that gives us peace with God, man, to know that Jesus Christ intercedes for us. He's praying for you and he wants you. He loves you. He wants you to come into his presence. And so, all of these are truths of the gospel. And we see as we move into chapter 4, what he does is he talks about these last days. And to explain the last days, we'll just read, read this first verse of chapter 4. He says, now the Spirit expressly says, then in latter times, some will depart from the faith. Let's just stop there. He, he makes a shift. He says, he, he uses this word yet. Maybe your translation says, but. Saying, okay, we've heard something. We've heard the gospel. We've heard about what happened. We've, we've heard all this, you know, this creed about our faith. But he says, in the last times, people are going to leave this. They're going to reject it. And we know that um, this letter was written how many thousands of years ago? Almost 2,000. What does he say? We're, we're living in the last days, then, and we still are today? How do we understand that? Because sometimes, sometimes we think, okay, the last days are just the immediate days right before the rapture, right before Jesus, Jesus comes again. But I will tell you, Scripture consistently witnesses to us that um, the last days actually began at the day of Pentecost, Okay, um, if this was 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus. The Holy Spirit came down upon the disciples, um, empowering them to witness. And, um, and, and basically what we know is that uh, Peter quotes the, apostle, the um, prophet Joel saying such these things will happen in the last days. We even, we even know from the witness of uh, the book of Jude 
that it says, in the last times there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions, and goes on to describe it. Um, But all in all, what I need you to know is this, even though you think that the last days has been, you know, it's been 2,000 years since these words were spoken, we're still living in the last days. These days describe the days before the church is, is, is resurrected to, to be with God. And so don't think of it, okay, I'm going to just use an illustration. Don't think of it like walking forward to a, to a cliff, you know, where you're just going to jump off, like, like we're, we're getting closer and closer. Actually, we've been walking like this on the edge of this to happen. And one day, one day Christ is going to return. He's going to take his church to himself. So these are all the last days. All these 2,000 years have been the last days of us approaching the time when Christ is going to return. He's going to return at any moment. And what Scripture says is, be ready. Be ready. He doesn't desire that anyone would perish. That's you. Repent of your sins. Place your faith in Jesus. He says, this is what's going to happen, though. Here's what to expect. And then he's going to give us some some, uh, indication about how we should live some application for us. Now, the Spirit expressly says in the latter time, some will depart from the faith, and He describes how they will do it. By devoting themselves to deceitful spirits, He says, and teachings of demons through the insecurity of liars whose consciences are seared. Three things that He says we need to be careful about. Number one, the danger of apostasy. It's a big word, but it just describes what he says right there in the beginning, that some will depart. Some will depart. Number two, the danger of deception. We need to watch out that we are not deceived. There's a lot of lies going on. There's a lot of deceiving spirits, he says. And then third, the danger of false teaching. The danger of false teaching the doctrines of demons, he says. And so let's talk about the first one, the danger of apostasy. He says, some will depart from the faith. Who are these people? These are people, and maybe, maybe you know some, that have professed in their life to believe, that may have been pastors or worship leaders or Sunday school teachers. Um, close friends of yours, family members, people that may have grown up in the church that professed to believe. Maybe they were baptized. Maybe they, they uh, you know, came to faith, but then all of a sudden they left. They stopped showing up to church. They stopped uh, believing in Jesus. And now they're talking about atheism or some other religion. That's these kind of people. That's what he's talking about. And what, what it really reminds me of is, is when Jesus taught about the seeds that fell on different kinds of soils. Remember that parable? I'll just read a little bit of it for you. He says in Luke chapter, chapter 8, he said um, that a sower, and this is a parable, he said, a sower went out to sow seed, and as he sowed, he fell among, some fell among the path. And it was trampled underfoot. And the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell upon the rock. And it grew up and it withered away. 
because it had no moisture. And some of it fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. But some fell on good soil, and it grew, and it yielded a hundredfold. Now, he went on to explain it. He, he explains later in that chapter, he says, the ones on the rock, those, they are those that hear the word, and they receive it with joy. But because they have no root, they fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but they go on their way, as, as they go on their way, are choked by the cares and the riches and pleasures of life, and the fruit does not mature. But then he explains the ones on good, good soil, and I hope this is who you are. As for that, as for those that, that uh, fell on good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold fast in it in an in an honest and good heart, and bear fruit with patience. Now, I, I don't mean to scare you by this at all, but, but really this is just a warning from the Apostle Paul about what kind of faith do you have? Is it just kind of a fair-weather faith that, oh, I, you know, I, I believe in God, I believe in Jesus, you know, I like this church thing, but watch out, what kind of seed are you? Are you the seed that's just on shallow soil that's like, oh, I, you know, I like that stuff. But then life happens. And if you have no root, maybe there's, there's some kind of tragedy in your family that you like start to question God. God can take your questions. But just watch out that you don't leave the faith over it. Um, the, other, the other seed that fell, fell, fell on the soil that had weeds in it. What was that? It was, it was the cares of this world, the cares of life, riches, pleasure. And I, I think that describes a lot of us. It's very easy to let the weeds start growing in our life and choke out the good news, following Jesus, reminding us that, man, there, there is way more to this life than just the here and the now. And so it's, it's a warning, watch out, watch out that you don't become like those two seeds. Be the seed that is planted in good soil. Put your roots deep. Part of, part of putting your roots deep, I'd encourage, is, is being a part of a 242 group, honestly. Because, man, you got, you got people that can build into your life, till that soil of your heart, so that you, you can plant those things deep and pray for you and talk to you when you got questions, when you have, have concerns Man, God, God, can, God can provide that for you. 30% um, is, is the statistic right now, the largest, one of the largest growing demographics, of what they call the religious nuns, okay? N-O-N-E-S, not nuns, like Catholic nuns. These are people that claim to have no faith, to be um, atheists or agnostics or nothing in particular. It's one of the most growing demographics today. Um, also, um, there is a growing trend that's called deconstructing your faith. And uh, uh, to be honest, this has and can be a very healthy thing. Maybe you grew up in a church that was really traditional, and you're like reading the Bible for yourself, and you're like questioning, okay, are these traditions that I, that I grew up with really the teaching of Scripture? So can I encourage you, if, if that's you, if you're starting to question, if you're deconstructing your faith, 
don't deconstruct so you don't have any foundation, but deconstruct so you can reconstruct on the foundation of Jesus and His Word, okay? That's important. So, so, so ask, ask those hard questions. Go to those places. You know, study those topics, but don't let it lead you to lose your faith. Hebrews 3.12 says, Take care, brothers, lest there be in you any unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. So watch out for that. There is a danger of apostasy. Second, there is a danger of deception. I don't think that this is any surprise to us. If we say we are living in the last days, what should we do? We should be careful that we are not deceived. So this refers to demonic spirits. This would be angelic beings that are rebelling against God, um, that are seeking to deceive men and women, entice them away from the truth. This is a real thing. There's a spiritual battle going on behind the scenes, and you may not even realize it. But I just want, you know, there's not a demon behind every bush, but I'm just trying to tell you, there are certain lies in our society today that uh, are so prevalent that they have to have demonic backing behind them. Um, I'll just give you a few, just, just so I can tip you off to some of these things. First of all, we were all raised in our schools where evolution was taught. And we know that that, that is in a direct con- contradiction to the teaching of Scripture. And so, t- so today, if we're being taught that all of us came from animals, how, how do we expect people to live in any differently? God did not create us as, as animals. He gave us the freedom to say yes and no. Animals just follow their instincts we don't follow our instincts. We follow God and His ways, and we know that His ways are better, okay? The, the other one is, is um, the lie of abortion. I want you to think about that. In Psalm 139, David said, for you form my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I don't think that that is a surprise to anyone. Life begins at conception. There's life in the womb, don't let anyone confuse you about that. And we're, we're looking for life on Mars, and we don't even recognize life in the womb. Talk about insanity, guys. There's a demonic lie behind that. And so stand up for the truth, okay? Um, this is another one. Uh, when it comes to teaching on, on uh, marriage, uh, sexuality, the lie being... Uh, oppositing of that, homosexuality, transgenderism. What God taught and what Jesus actually taught is that, that uh, marriage and these things he created to be good. He said uh, in Mark chapter 10, verse 6, but from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother, hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is blessed by God. They are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. God designed us male and female from the time that, that uh, he, he actually knew before we were born, before we were conceived, who we would be. He chose you to be a male or a female. He made that God his good design. 
And so don't upside down it. Don't choose something else. Don't go along with the lies that someone can change their sex. God created these things as good, okay? Um, One more I'm going to tell you is the lie that all paths lead to God. All paths lead to God. Proverbs 14 verse 12 says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it's, it leads to death. Matthew 7, verse 13 and 14, Jesus said, enter by the narrow gate. Okay? He talks about the broad way and the narrow way. He says, man, enter through the narrow gate. The narrow gate is the one that leads to life. In John 14, 6, he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So don't follow the lie that all paths lead to God. Yeah, treat people with respect. Absolutely treat people with respect. But don't cave to this, this uh, teaching that, oh, we're all just seeking God. We're all, we're all finding our own way to Him. No, Jesus said, I am the only way. It's the only way to have life. Okay? The danger of deception is real. Can I just remind you of that? There are deceiving spirits in our world today, so watch out for them. And lastly, he says the danger of false teaching, the doctrine of demons, he says. That's something we ought to watch out for. Um, demons major in theology. Did you know that? They are theology majors. And so, when you look all the way back at Genesis chapter 3, when Satan came in the form of serpent to Eve, how did he get to her? He said, he said did God really say? He caused her to question God's good design. And, and he, he, he encouraged her and said, you can become like God. And ever since, all the deception that Satan tries to bring into your life, ask those two questions. Did God really say? Did he really mean that? Hey, you can become like God. You can become your own God. Paul warns the church about these things. He warns the church about apostasy, about deception, about false teaching, and watch out for it, okay? As we close, I want to just read to you the false teaching that was happening there in Ephesus. And today is probably, you know, it's different. Obviously, we talked about some of the lies that are going on in our culture today. But as we wrap up, let's just talk about what they were dealing with, and then um, we'll, we'll look at the encouragement that he gives to close. He says in verse, verse 4, or sorry, verse 2, through the insecurity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from food that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. We'll just stop there a second. So what was the lie that was happening there? What was the false teaching? First of all, they're forbidding marriage. And if you remember Gnosticism, basically they said all matter is evil, everything on the earth is evil, a sexuality is evil, male and female is evil, um, having children is evil. They went to extreme measures to not have children, just like we do today with abortion. And uh, man, they were, they were saying marriage is evil. They're forbidding marriage. And what Paul is saying to Timothy is, this is good. Marriage is good. Don't fall into this lie, okay? Second, they're requiring abstinence from foods. And obviously, that was another reaction 
against, hey, we, you know, we, we don't think that God's creation, what He created is good. So there's certain things we're not going to eat. Okay, we're going to stay away from these things. Now, dieting can be helpful. He's not talking about dieting. He's talking about being overly religious and, and, uh, and pharisaical in, in the way that uh, they were going about religion, thinking, oh, if we stay away from these certain foods, we'll please God. No, he debunks it. He says, verse 4, for everything. Can we just say that word? Everything. Everything created by God is good. It's good. And nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. That's something I think we need to be reminded of sometimes. Everything. God created everything, didn't he? And when we follow his design in everything, we know it's good. It's good. It's not cursed. And so, so let's just be reminded of that even as Christians today. There are things that we say, oh, we need to stay away from. But those things that we encourage Christians to stay away from, it's because they're a deviation from the God's perfect design, an upside-downing of it. And so let's, let's just be careful that, that we, don't, we don't fall into the same trap of saying, you know, oh, you got to stay away from these certain things. You can't have that. You can't have that. You can't have that. No, God's design is good. Let's have that. Let's do things God's way. Let's pursue that. And let's have it, have it His way. Everything created by God is good. And lastly, he says, for it is made holy by the word of God in prayer. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Valley Church. If you were impacted by today's teaching or made a decision to follow Jesus, we would love to hear from you, pray for you, and walk with you. To connect with us, visit valleychurchwv.com. There you will find resources on following Jesus and information about how to partner with us here at Valley Church as we seek, serve, and send disciples of Christ.